You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Morning, Town Center. <laughs> How are you doing this morning? We can uh, make our way back to our seats, wrap up those conversations. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to be with you this morning, Town Center. How are you doing this 2024? Doing okay. How are we doing in 2024? Okay. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, as Brad said, my name is Ryan. If uh, we haven't met, one of the pastors uh, at our Mariner campus, but I'm so glad to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, as I start, I want to I wanna read you a quote. Uh, in his popular book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, John Mark Comer, who I often quote, says, The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. Now, I don't know about you, but I can certainly identify with that quote. I can relate to that. Uh, we want to hear from God, but it's so hard to because we're constantly bombarded with noise. Conversation, traffic, ads, music, even down to the the noise of the dishwasher in the background as we think it's quiet. We almost can't get away from it. And yet it seems like we've almost become obsessed with noise too. We've become so familiar with noise that we don't know how to be silent. We need to have the music on or the TV on in the background to just fill the empty space. We're afraid of silence, uncomfortable with what might come up if we sit in the quiet. But we need it. But we don't just have to become familiar with silence, we need to protect it. Because it's often in the silence where God does his deep work of transforming us and speaking to us. If you've heard the story of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, you'll know that he had an encounter with God uh, where there was, it was quite an encounter. There was strong wind, uh, an, er- an earthquake, a fire. It was quite a lot for morning devotions. But what the text actually says is God wasn't in the, f- the wind. He wasn't in the fire or the earthquake, but where? In a still, small voice, in a whisper. Have you heard the whisper of the Lord before? Like his tender, loving voice will change you. When you know who God says you are, you don't need the constant affirmation of others. His words will bring healing to your soul, hope for tomorrow. But his voice gets drowned out by everything else. We get up, we shower, we eat breakfast, we go to work or school or wherever we have to go, we come home, we make dinner, We watch TV, we go to bed, repeat. Like, doesn't that just sound like seven days of our week? And in the process, the voices we hear most are those of our family members, coworkers, friends, and those are usually the good ones. Like, never mind most of the bad ones. Um, The rest of the time, we're hearing messages designed to make us buy more, become more anxious, view others as the enemy, make us feel inferior to the person next to us. And these constant inputs lead to outputs, in our lives. We're shaped by the voices we listen to, and most of the voices we listen to in the world are not neutral. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the primary voice or voices that I'm listening to 
And a follow-up to that, how is that shaping me? You may be familiar with the Apostle Paul, who wrote multiple books of the New Testament, planted multiple churches in the first century, raised up church leaders, traveled around as a missionary. Like He was a busy guy. But amidst the busyness, his deepest desire was to know Christ. This is what he says in Philippians 3. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul wanted to know Christ more than anything else. Not even the benefits that come along with knowing Christ, like the promise of eternal life. Like He wanted intimacy with Christ himself. The Christian faith is about relationship with the God who created us, knows us, loves us, and wants to be with us. One of the most important ways we come to know this amazing God is by listening to him. And that's what this morning's topic is on, listening to God. So today marks the beginning of our new prayer series. Why are we doing a series on prayer? Uh, You know, shouldn't it be like a one-off, like kind of, you know, you do that, then you're on to the next thing? Well, Prayer is a lot more than just talking to God and asking him for stuff. Prayer is how we commune with God. It's intimacy with him. It's oxygen for our souls. It's about being with the God who wants relationship with us, listening to his voice, adoring him. And so as we journey through this series, we're going to look at prayer in different forms. We're going to look at uh, today, prayer as, as listening to God. Next week, prayer as talking to God. We're going to see experiencing God in the ordinary, everyday stuff of life. Confession, unanswered prayer, it's a big one. And then fasting in prayer. So hopefully this can expand our understanding of what prayer is and grow in us a hunger to pray. And now as a church, we want to help you in your prayer journey. So we've actually created a prayer guide for this series. You may have seen them on your way in. Uh, we've got photos of them like up on the screen as well that you can kind of look at. But we've got an online copy and a physical copy that's available for uh, $5 or by donation, I believe. And really what the goal is, is we want to create uh, ways for you to engage with the sermon series as we go. So it's broken down into the six weeks that we'll be going through in our sermon uh, series. And then it's got different devotional days. So it's got like three days of devotionals. Um, where there's going to be passages that you can read that relate to that particular aspect of prayer. There's going to be quotes to ponder and then kind of an exercise to to get you praying. And so we want to make this available uh, so that you can grow um, and and learn what it is to pray, deepen in your understanding of of who God is as well. And so this is available um, online. You can find it on the front page of our website downloadable PDF, uh, and you can even fill it in too if online is your preference. But if you prefer the hard copy, you can go to the welcome desk at the end of the service and we'll have them available. And so we hope that this guide is helpful because we know that prayer can be hard. And I want to acknowledge that. Like this was definitely my story. Um, When I first started diving deeper into my own faith about maybe 12 years ago, uh, I remember it it was all Bible for me. Right? Like I'm, I'm quite the intellectual type. And so I was, I was captured by the scriptures. And I wanted to study and learn as much as I could. And, and none of that was bad. Like it was great. But I hadn't experienced the joy of prayer. 
And I wouldn't say, or I would say it wasn't until really COVID that prayer was more or less on the backseat of my faith. And then during COVID, it, it's just like God did something. Like, I don't know how to explain it other than that he just, he just drew me to himself. Like, my heart was captured by, by him, not the study of him, not exegeting passages and nerding out, but like him. And I think having the world hit pause for a while allowed me to just have more space, seek him, and stand in awe of him. It's crazy how when we're busy, it's, it's easy to miss him. And this is what fueled my desire for prayer. And I think the lesson that I learned in that season is that prayer was so hard because I didn't intimately know the God that I worshipped. Man, like if we knew the God that we are in relationship with, man, prayer would be like our first desire. It wouldn't be a burden. It wouldn't be a chore. It would be this heartfelt desire, like give me more time in the prayer room. Give me more time as I'm on my drive to work to just be with God and pray and listen. And so for me, it went from feeling like a chore to, me, to being a desire, to be with God, to know him. And so at the same time, I want to say that I'm not the prayer, or the prayer master by any means. I'm very much on the journey with you, uh, learning to pray and struggling to pray more often than I'd like. But this morning, I want to inspire you to create space in your life to listen for the voice of God, the voice that we need more than anything else. So we're going to take a look at Luke 24 to see some of the ways that God speaks to us before looking at what gets in the way of hearing God, and finally, how can we develop voice recognition. But first, let me pray. Well, Father, we, we thank you for we thank you for this day. We thank you for these people. And God, we just pray that as, as we dive into your word and we seek to listen to what you're saying, that you give us ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to my brothers and sisters here this morning, that you would show them who you are. And so we just say, Father, speak, for your servants are listening. Come, Holy Spirit. We want to know you. We love you, and we're desperate for your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, how does God speak? Maybe you've been a Christian 5, 10, 20 years, and don't think that you've ever heard God's voice once. Or it's been a really long time. Uh, you know, to be honest, I think I'm kind of in a dry season. It doesn't feel like God's as close. Uh, it doesn't feel like his voice is like, you know, as recognizable. Maybe you wonder, is he holding out on me? Does he not love me? Is there something wrong with me that I can't hear him? Well, I can assure you that one, nothing's wrong with you. Two, he loves you. And three, he's good to speak. Like it's in God's nature to speak. And this is what we see in the scriptures. Like at his voice, creation came into existence. He spoke directly to the prophets and the God-fearing leaders of the Old Testament. He spoke to Elijah in that still, small voice. He spoke to John the Baptist that he would be a forerunner to the Messiah, announcing that the Christ had come. Holy Spirit spoke to the authors of the New Testament, and the Holy Spirit continues to speak to us today. But if he's God, why doesn't he just make himself obvious? Right? I've often wondered that myself, and I'm not sure why. But I've learned that he reveals himself to those who earnestly seek him. God is probably speaking to you more than you know 
but sometimes our expectations of how God speaks need to be adjusted. You see, we reduce God when we confine him to only speak in certain ways. But we can't box him in. Like, he's God. Throughout scripture, we see that God speaks through creation, dreams, visions, scripture, angels, audible voices, people, animals, and through Jesus. God speaks in many ways. So when we expect him to speak in a certain way, we're actually setting our own agendas for God. And so what if God's been trying to speak to you, but you've been so maybe tunnel-visioned into expecting God to speak in one specific way that you've kind of closed yourself off to the ways that he actually is speaking to you? And so hopefully with voice recognition, this is going to help us understand how might God be speaking to us. But if you're expecting the audible voice of God to be your normative experience, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. Like, I only get the audible voice about once a month. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I've never had the audible voice. Though I do know people who have, but it's been like once in their lifetime. And it's usually a really strong warning (laughs) where God needs to make it obvious. Okay, let's look at some observations about how God is revealed to the two people on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. For context, Jesus has just risen from the dead. And the women had discovered the empty tomb and heard from the angels that Jesus had risen. So word is traveling around that the tomb is empty. And this is where we find ourselves in the story today. So Luke 24, 13 to 24. Do we still stand in honor of God's word here? Okay, let's do that. All right. Not sure if things are different at like Town Center versus Mariner, but okay. Here we go. Luke 24, 13 to 24. It says that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, sarcastically, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen, uh, even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. We'll finish there. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And so the first observation about how God speaks to these two companions on the road is that he does it through his son, Jesus. Profound, eh? But it really is. Jesus joins these two friends on their walk and speaks truth and hope to them, even though his identity is hidden from them initially. Jesus is the living word of God. We just did a four-part series on this during Advent, right, leading up to Christmas. But this is what Jesus says himself in John 14. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. 
How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Man, this is encouraging. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Check out Colossians 1 as well. It's a really good passage that Jesus reveals who the Father is. So if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know his voice, look to Jesus. If you're in a dry season, you're struggling to hear God's voice, man, we can take comfort that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as we look at the story, the life, and the words of Jesus, we're encountering the living God. We're hearing the voice of God who has spoken, and his words are the same yesterday, today, and forever. They hold eternal significance. And so would we meditate on them? Would we run to the words of Jesus? So if, you, if you're struggling to hear his voice, go first to the words of Jesus. You're hearing the word of God as you're looking at who Jesus is and what he's saying. And who does Jesus, what does he say? Who does he say that you are? He says that you're a child of God. He calls you friend. He says that you're salt and light in this world. He promises you eternal life, forgiveness, his presence, and so much more. So as you meditate on the words and the life of Jesus, you'll come to know him deeply. Now, before I'm at risk of sounding like a red-letter Christian by elevating the words of Jesus above the rest of Scripture, we see that Jesus himself points to Scripture as the inspired word of God in this story. So let me read the next couple of verses here, verses 25 to 27. It says, And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so Moses and the prophets, that was shorthand for the law and the prophets. In other words, the Old Testament. Jesus walked these two individuals through the Old Testament. That was the scriptures at the time, right? Because the New Testament hadn't been written showing how it all pointed to himself. Like, that would have been a cool Bible study to be a part of, eh? Like, just sitting down with Jesus, like, yeah, this, this verse is about me, this book, like, look at this. Man, fascinating. Um, and the author of Hebrews actually attests to the way that God speaks through the prophets. It says this in the opening uh, couple of verses of Hebrews. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Oh, there's point number one. Whom he appointed, the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Like, it's, it's fascinating to me that God has, has given us eyes to read and brains to comprehend symbols on a page that impact the way that we see the world and then function within it. Like, if you actually just think about it, like, it kind of, like, blows your mind. And so... What a blessing that God would give us a book about himself to understand who he is and what he's like. If you're struggling to, to read your Bible, maybe that's, you know, your, kind of your weakness. Struggle to, like, get into the word of God. Man, you've got to just get a Bible like this one. This is a, a gift I got for Christmas. <laughs> it's called the Illuminated Bible. And, man, it, um, it's basically like a, a picture Bible for adults. You've got like all these cool graphics in it and, and 
why I say that is like, man, like I'm, I'm actually more excited to read my Bible because, man, like I just see the beauty of the artwork and that makes me want to read the text. And so, anyways, get a good Bible. Uh, maybe you need a study Bible. Maybe you need a life application Bible. All that to say, um, Scripture is where we see the voice of God as well. And so, um, the way that we know what God is like is by consulting the book that he gave us. Through the Bible, we learn what his character is like, how he relates to us, what his voice sounds like. So once again, if you're not hearing from God, run to Scripture. Like Even if you've read the whole Bible through, it's an endless treasure. You can't plumb its depths. Scripture is described as, as living and active. As we read the Bible, it begins to read us. His word never returns void. So treasure the scriptures and ask God what he might want to say to you as you open them up. Well, let's read the rest of our passage. Verses 28 to 35. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So my next point in how God speaks is that God speaks through pain and sorrow. Like these two were downcast. They didn't seem convinced by the rumor that Jesus had risen from the dead. They had hoped that he was the Messiah, but believed that that hope was dashed with Jesus' death. And it's in this moment of despair that Jesus appeared to them, right? It says that he drew near to them as they were walking. And you know, I, I just find it interesting that we seem to live in a culture that wants to eliminate or minimize pain. And I mean, I get that. Pain is not comfortable. <laughs> but it's as though pain can't serve a purpose. But pain can be one of the ways that God speaks to us and teaches us. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I think it's unhelpful to tell people to look for the silver lining in their pain. Like there may not be one, but I've found it to often be true in my own life that in the seasons of most acute pain, I've sensed God's presence and his voice stronger than at other times. Maybe that's true for you. Maybe it's not. Maybe for you, though, you actually feel that God is absent in your pain. You feel abandoned and confused. We're going to have a whole sermon devoted to unanswered prayer coming up. But let me say this. It's really interesting that the eyes of these two companions were opened when Jesus alludes to his own pain by the breaking of bread, symbolic of his body that was just broken or crushed on the cross. Like we worship the king who suffered. 
We are in relationship with a God who understands and was acquainted with pain himself. And so even if it feels like there's nothing he's teaching you through your pain, he knows your pain. He doesn't run from pain. He stands in solidarity with you in the midst of it. And he suffered so that one day, every tear will be wiped away from your eye and there will be no more crying or pain. That's a promise of scripture in Revelation. And so what might God be trying to say to you in the midst of your pain? It's a long conversation. It's a small point, but big implications. What else do we notice in this passage about how God speaks? Through community. After Jesus vanishes, these two uh, talk amongst themselves and say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened up the scriptures? And then they go proclaim to the disciples that Jesus had indeed risen. God speaks through his people. The two were confirming with each other what Jesus had done in their midst. They were saying, like, weren't our hearts burning within us when he spoke to us the word? He, he ministered to their minds too, right? Bringing them through the scriptures. And then they go about spreading the good news of Jesus' resurrection. As believers, we're, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he speaks through us to others. Sometimes this is through a prophetic word that aligns with scripture and God's character. I think this is a spiritual gift we need to make more space uh, for within our church. Other times, it's by bringing insight to the word of God or encouragement that builds up or simply the wisdom and unity of a group of believers into a situation or for a direction. And so this is why it's so important to be in a community group, right? It provides a space where you can minister to one another, you can hear God speak through one another. And so God speaks in community. He speaks through his people, through the church, who are uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, I think what we see in this passage is that God just, he speaks in the ordinary circumstances. Like, I want, to, I want us to notice that God revealed himself in just an ordinary walk that these two were on, right? Just walking on the road to Emmaus, and he showed up. Like, I think sometimes God shows up in the ordinary, and, and we expect, like, again, like, kind of this big, like, thing, but it's, like, it's easy to miss him when he's right there in the midst of our everyday life. And, and, and God meets us in surprising ways, right? Like these two weren't worshiping in the temple or the synagogue. Uh, he just showed up. Jesus showed up as they were on a walk. And so we're going to spend a whole sermon on this in a couple weeks, God in the ordinary. But there's numerous ways that God speaks to us in the ordinary things, through, through those divine coincidences, through dreams, down to simple things like good meals or even creation. Like consider this... Uh, verse from the Psalms, Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Man, God speaks through creation. Like even as I was driving in this morning, looking at the mountains with the snow on them, beautiful. Man, if you ever looked out at a starry night, and you can see like all the stars out there, some of the planets, the galaxies, like incredible. If you guys don't have Sky Guide on your phone, that's an app you got to get. Just shows you like what's out there. Just fascinating. Speaks to who God is. So, what gets in the way 
of hearing God. We've talked about how he speaks, and those were five ways. There's other ways that he speaks too. Uh, Those are just five that I named. Well, I'm going to go through six things quickly. Who knew this was going to be like a 12-point sermon? Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go through six things quickly, and obviously this isn't everything. Uh, Noise is one, right? We named this up top. Uh, We talked about this at the beginning, but if we aren't intentional about quieting our surroundings and our souls, it's going to be more difficult to hear his voice. I love this quote by Oswald Chambers. He says, The voice of the Spirit of God is as gentle as a summer breeze, so gentle that unless you are living in complete fellowship and oneness with God, you will never hear it. Fellowship with God is deepened in solitude. Now, related to noise is busyness. That's number two. This one's pretty obvious, but, man, we have a million things to do. (laughs) Uh, And our schedules are packed tight. But it's not just the things like working long hours at work, taking the kids to sports games that get in the way. Like, often it's actually the things that we're doing for God that prevent us from hearing from him. So here comes a big quote, Mark Sayers, one of the uh, pastors I kind of listened to from Australia, looks at kind of social trends around the globe and that. He says this, says striving in our own strength to get his work done soon becomes living too busy to engage with his presence. We're not doing bad stuff. In fact, great stuff. More ministry, more programs, more education, more mission, more justice, more social media promotion of his work. Yet soon, chasing our God-given purposes without the power of his presence, our churches, our services, and our lives are packed full. Those empty spaces in which we wait on him, his leadings, and his voice disappear. We lose the capacity for voice recognition because we have fully and unquestionably given over to the high achievement performance lifestyle of the 21st century West. Mic drop, you know? Do you resonate with that at all? If we don't slow down, how can we expect to hear God's voice? Our spiritual lives are often described as as walking with God, right? We hear that lingo a lot. Now, did you know that the average walking speed is is three miles per hour? Like, that's the pace necessary for love and for listening. And so if you're walking at five miles an hour, and Jesus is walking at three, who is following who? Next, we've got the fixation on self. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, perhaps your spouse, while your mind is elsewhere? Guilty as charged. Your mind is on that thing that you're worrying about. It's hard to be present and listen, isn't it? But we can do this with God too, right? Now this doesn't mean that we just like ignore our problems we're facing or stuff our emotions so that we can just hear God. Quite the opposite. Scripture actually calls us to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. So instead of obsessing over these things, we surrender them to God who has the love to comfort us and the power to change things if he chooses to. And as we do that, we create space to hear what God might want to say to us in the midst of that anxiety or that fear or whatever it is that's on our mind. Next, we have unbelief. Perhaps you don't believe that God speaks to you, and this is the hang-up. Maybe this is as a result of repeated disappointment in prayer. You've come to believe that God doesn't hear you or speak to you. Or it could be that you don't believe you're worthy of being spoken to by God. 
And because of this, you don't look for the ways that he might be trying to communicate with you. So it becomes almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, we all struggle with, with maybe unbelief or doubt or disappointment at times. And we're going to spend an entire sermon on this topic too, unanswered prayer. But maybe your prayer just needs to be, Lord, I believe, but help me on belief. Or give me the faith to believe that you speak and posture yourself to listen. Number five, sin. We need to be careful with this one because it can be so harmful to tell someone the reason they're not hearing from God is because they're living in sin. Just read the book of Job for a perfect example. We all fall short of the glory of God and need forgiveness. But at the same time, we're in danger if we don't name unconfessed or habitual sin as a possibility for why we're not hearing God. Case in point, in 1 Peter 3, 7, we learn that a husband's prayers can be hindered if they don't treat their wives with understanding, honor, and gentleness. It's a tough verse to chew on. That our, our prayers can actually be hindered. And the thing about sin is that it's inward focused. We could almost lump this in with the fixation on self point that I made. But when we're living to gratify our flesh or preserve our ego, we're listening to the voices of not God, but the world, the flesh, and the devil. So as we continue to rebel against God, you know, maybe that conviction's been there. But we continue down that road for quite a while. Man, eventually our consciences grow cold. Eventually they become seared. And we lose the ability to hear his voice. Now, thankfully, God has given us the gift of confession where we come before him, acknowledge our shortcomings, ask him for his transformative grace. We'll spend a whole other topic on that one too. Um, but confession is, is, is not this way for God to somehow like approve of us. It's just, it's, it's, re, it's, it's, it's reconvening with him. The reconciliation's already been made. Confession is just, God, I'm in shame. I'm in sin. I need you. You save me. You like me. You love me. I want you. I need you. Finally, if none of the above apply to you and you're still not hearing his voice, it's possible that God is testing you. He doesn't do this maliciously, though. He tests us to mature us and develop our faith and our character, not to destroy them. So it's in seasons like this where our faith is revealed. Will we still seek God even when he withdraws? Will we worship him even when we don't hear his voice? Or do we just come to him for answers? Do we just come to him for his voice? Or do we love him for him even when he's not speaking? It's hard. So we've looked at how God speaks. We've addressed several hindrances to hearing God's voice. But how do we develop voice recognition? Well, it's really quite simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. We just need to do the opposite of everything that I just listed. We need to turn down the noise in our lives, slow down, surrender our cares to him, and trust God's grace. Not only that it covers our sin and shame, but that he's gracious to speak to us. And so if I was to sum this all up in one word, it's abide. That we develop voice recognition through abiding in Christ. Now, abide is just a word that means remain. Be with him. And this ought not be burdensome. I like the way that Pete Gregg lays it out. He says, Jesus is what God sounds like. He's literally the living word of God. 
Hearing his voice is not so much a skill we must master, therefore, as a master we must meet. Now, it's amazing to me, though, how many people can complain that they can't hear God's voice while they don't spend any time with him. Like, it's going to involve sacrifice. We can't expect to hear God's voice if we don't create space for him. Jesus says in John 10, The sheep hear the shepherd's voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So if you want to know the voice of the good shepherd, you got to get near the good shepherd. The sheep know his voice because they're in close proximity to him. And that's the only way that we're going to learn the sound of his voice, through time and intimacy. Now, do you guys remember that time? Long ago, before cell phones and call display existed? Like, I'm actually old enough to remember those days. But for all the teenagers here in the room, crazy world to think about that, hey? Where, imagine not knowing who's on the other end of the phone before you pick up. Anyways, I think for many of us who lived back in those olden days, (laughs) we'd pick up the phone And we'd know who was on the other end just by the sound of their voice. They didn't have to tell us, hey, you know, it's so-and-so. Why? Because we'd spent time with that person. They didn't need to identify themselves because we knew with them. We knew them. We'd spent time with them. And so I wonder if maybe we're too busy waiting to see God's name on call display rather than spending time being with him and learning his voice. How badly do you want him? God comes where he's wanted. James tells us this. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, I don't want you to hear this. Do better. But rather, he's so good, you're missing out. Do better is not the voice of God. What does his voice sound like? Well, if you're anything like me, it's been a journey of realizing his voice doesn't sound like Get your crap together, man. How do you blow it again? My grace is almost running out on you. To, you're my beloved. I rejoice over you with gladness and singing. Come to me if you're weary and you're heavy laden. I'll give you rest for your soul. You're my child. That's the voice of God. God's voice is restorative, produces love, peace, freedom, hope, leads to repentance, The voice of the enemy condemns, taunts, lies, torments, produces fear and despair. I wonder how many of us think the voice of the enemy is actually the voice of God. So here's the paradox I want to leave you with. While the sheep are called to draw near to the good shepherd, praise God we have a good shepherd who leaves in 99 to pursue the one who has wandered away and can't hear his voice anymore. Is this not what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus with our two buddies here? While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus drew near and went with them. So let me encourage you with this. God wants to speak to you. You're created for a relationship with him. He desires intimacy with you. Like he thought you up from before the foundation of the world. He made your ears. He gave you a mind. And he'll speak to those ears. He'll bring understanding to your mind. He has more for you than what you're currently experiencing. And he's drawing near. All you have to do is make yourself available. Open your heart to him. God can do so much with that. 
Remember the call of Samuel? It's a young boy. Even Samuel didn't know the voice of God. He thought it was Eli the priest who was speaking to him in the middle of the night when he heard his name called. Got up. Eli, was that you? I heard my name. No, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. Happens again. Samuel, Samuel. Eli, was that you? No, it wasn't me. Hey, you know what? Next time, next time you hear that, say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. So what do we see in 1 Samuel 3? And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Samuel simply made himself available for the Lord to speak to. You know what happened? This marked the beginning of Samuel hearing God's voice. He became a faithful man of prayer who persevered. God made Samuel Israel's first prophet and last judge. He was a faithful judge too. And he was a priest, the one who anointed King David. The Lord knew that he could trust Samuel because Samuel knew his voice. Samuel knew his God. You never know how God may use you for his glory if you posture yourself to listen to him. But it's not just about doing things for God's glory. It's also about being in intimate relationship with him, just being with him, not for what you can give to him. But man, as you begin to know him, do wonders in your life. So I don't know what this looks like for you to take the next step in posturing yourself to listen. It might mean getting up an hour earlier or even 15 minutes earlier in your day. It might mean going for a prayer walk on your lunch break, turning Netflix off early, cracking your Bible open again. Maybe the first step toward hearing God with greater clarity is to work through this prayer guide that we have for this series. I'll leave that to you. Now I'm going to invite the band up as we, as we enter into communion. As we come to the table this morning, let me draw our attention back to Luke 24. Again, it was in the breaking of the bread that these two recognized Jesus. Communion is one of the ways God is present with us and speaks to us. It's in the Lord's Supper that we remember that his body and his blood atone for our sins. And we can't be perfect. And communion is a beautiful reminder that we have a Savior who died in our place for our sin, purchased our salvation, and in him we need not carry ourselves with shame. And so I hope that today you didn't feel shame because maybe your prayer life isn't where you want it to be. Or maybe it's the shame that keeps you from seeking him in prayer. That again, you feel like maybe you're not worthy of being spoken to or even praying. Well, did you know that in Hebrews 12, it actually tells us the blood of Christ speaks a better word than the, than the blood of Abel? Abel was killed by his brother Cain, if you remember the story in Genesis. But Christ's blood speaks a better word about you. God has spoken through the blood of Christ that you were forgiven, redeemed, reconciled, clean, new, that you're a co-heir with Christ. So as you take the bread and the juice, let's remember this truth. You're cleansed by the blood of Christ. It speaks a better word over you. And so we take this in remembrance of Christ's death and celebration of his defeat over Satan, sin, and death. So what we're going to do as, as we uh, take communion is we're going to have the ushers come around and they're going to pass out the bread first, row to row. Hang on to the bread. Once it's uh, all been distributed, I'm going to come back up, we'll eat together, and then we'll do the same thing uh, with the juice. 
And so we'll enter into communion at this time. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.